All right, open your Bibles to the book of Acts, if you would. Uh, Acts chapter 19, we'll pick up where we left off last week in verse 10. This morning we'll start in verse 11. Miracles to the glory of God. Uh, We're going to go ahead and start reading verses 11 through verse 20. Just follow along as I read and then we'll have a word of prayer and get into the message. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick And the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out from them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but... Who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowering them and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known both to all the all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified, and many who believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had preached magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Lord Jesus, as we come before you once again, Lord, we just ask your blessing on the message. Lord, it's your word. I pray, God, it would not return void, but would accomplish your purposes. I pray, God, once again, help us remove every distraction so that we may concentrate on what you have for us. Lord, may we learn what you have for us to learn today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, sometimes God does some interesting things, does he not? Uh, He's never without purpose in whatever he chooses to do is for his own glory. He does some unusual things. If I were... I don't know, sometimes I just think, you know, put on our imagination caps just for a moment. Can you imagine going down by a piece of water and seeing an axe head float? Wait a minute, that defies logic. An axe head is not supposed to float. It's heavy, it's steel, it should sink to the ground. Wait a minute, donkeys aren't supposed to talk. Wait a minute, um... Why is that bush burning, but it's not being consumed by the fire? Wait a minute. And we could just sit there and and just over and over the plagues and all the miracles that God did. But you notice that every time God does something unusual or a miracle, and really a miracle is tied into word with a word in the Greek language, dunamis, which means dynamite, explosive, right? And so it's in that same vein that God does some explosive things. And why does he do it? For his own glory. He has a purpose and a reason and a rationale behind everything that he does. And man wants to try to figure it out, right? Man wants to know how it happened. I mean, what's the real trick? What's the real secret? But God does what he does without trickery for a purpose. And that ultimate purpose is to bring glory to himself, right? And so he chooses to do what he does for his own glory. 
So you notice right away in the very first phrase in verse 11, now God worked unusual miracles, plural, by the hands of Paul. And literally it means unusual, powerful miracles. You know, it wasn't something that could be you know, uh, explained away. It wasn't coincidence. It wasn't chance. It wasn't accidental. What he did was purposeful. But they were unusual and powerful. So he used, I mean, think about this. Handkerchiefs and aprons. Sounds like something I'd use to, you know, do something drastic, right? I, I've said it for years. I'll say it again till I die. If I'm going into battle, I don't want pitchers, I don't want trumpets, and I don't want lights. I don't want loud noise. I want things that go bang that have ammunition in them. I want jets. I want tanks. I want Uzis. I want machine guns. And yet God does things in His own unique way for His own purposes. I wouldn't do it like God does it. It's probably a good thing. um, Because I would mess it up. And then afterwards wish I hadn't done it because I screwed it up. I'm glad that God knows what He's doing, right? So he uses something as simple as a handkerchief that was on Paul. An apron or an outer garment that was on Paul. So apron is not necessarily your Julia Child thing that you put over your neck and tied around your neck. Apron being an outer jacket, an outer piece of garment that Paul had worn. And think about how unusual this really was. Um, If you've ever seen any type of scary movie, I I don't get taken away by scary movies because I just think the plot is stupid. They don't scare me like Poltergeist and Exorcist from when I was like in junior high. Those don't scare me. I just thought the acting was really stupid and poor plot. But it's not scary to me. But you have the idea behind what they feel like is an exorcist why I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come. Listen, there is no crosses. There's no holy water that when they sprinkled on them, they began to sizzle. Because, you know, that's the movies and that's what the movies do. It was a handkerchief and an outer garment. And I don't know exactly how it happened. I wasn't there. But I have to imagine maybe they laid it on them. Maybe they set it on them and prayed over them. I don't know. But all I do know is that when they laid these garments over them, many things happened. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But they healed the sick. They healed diseases. And evil spirits left the bodies. Paul's ability to do miracles, or should I say God's ability, or God's working of miracles through Paul, was really a sign of his apostleship. It was a sign of apostleship in general in that day. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. In 2 Corinthians 12.12, Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. What's he saying here? He said one of the ways that we gave credibility and and, and, uh, the ability for people to understand who they were was through their ability to do signs and wonders. It wasn't that Paul was great. Paul was a wicked man before he came to know Jesus, right? It wasn't that he was just so awesome that, that you know, all of a sudden he had this great ability. No, he, apart from God, Paul could do nothing. 
anybody that did a miracle in the Bible, it wasn't because of anything they were. It was because of who God is. And God's working in and through them. And in Mark chapter 16, verse 19 20, it says, So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, He was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. So what do you say? Before He ushered His way out of this earth, He gave the ability to do signs and wonders to those who were following Him as His disciples and His apostles specifically. So why these miracles? Why here? Why these miracles and why here at this location in time? Remember last week's message? Remember what Ephesus was? Ephesus was a really nice top ten of places in America to live, right? Not even. And remember, keep this in mind, I, I told you last week for a reason, they had their book of signs. They had their book of chants. They had their book of Ephesus, right? So if anybody was wanting to have a child, they could have these you know, certain chants over them. And if they wanted to be do well in their marketplace stores and vending, then they would, they would repeat these chants. And if they wanted this, they had these chants. And so these books of signs and wonders that were in Ephesus, it was a wicked pagan city. So why here? Why now? Because they needed to see the hand of God at work. They needed to see something other than pagan devil worship. They needed to see something other than fleshly things taking place. So we remember what Ephesus was like, a very pagan evil city. But it was a great opportunity to see for them to see a powerful God at work amongst them. Because let me just tell you, when the signs and wonders happened, was it silent? Huh? No. The word got out. And once again, they didn't have Facebook. Can you imagine how it would let it go viral? as they say. I mean, some of you be making TikTok reels of these people over here and the evil spirits coming out of them. It'd be all over TikTok. Word of mouth spread what God was doing through Paul, his servant. So notice what the exorcists, how, in, in, how powerless they were. Look, look, at, look at verse uh, 13. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists. Think of just think of that phrase. Jewish, itinerant, that means they weren't full time, they traveled. Maybe they're just going anywhere to find where the action was. I, I don't know. Maybe they followed behind Paul just to see what was going to happen next because they're itinerant, remember? Well, the definition of itinerant is that they, didn't, they weren't in one place, they bounced around. So they were Jewish people who bounced around. Performing exorcists. I mean, that's, if that's not humorous in and of itself. So you have these Jewish itinerant exorcists trying to do what God just did through Paul in their own power, their own might. So verse 13 says, Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those that evil spirits. So obviously, this is not something you and I deal with on a regular basis. You know, are they gone? No. I'm staunch believer that there are evil spirits around us. God says that a third of the host of heaven left with Satan, his demons, his, his little minions, they're doing a work. 
that we that that you know that is against God. But neither can we say in everything that happens, the devil made me do it, because we have a choice and a will, and we choose to do things that are wrong. But the reality is, there is obviously something taking place where there are lots of evil spirits going on. I can't imagine living in that environment. Because you and I have it so good. You and I don't deal with that on a daily, regular basis. But what they were dealing with was obvious. So, trying to do what Paul just did, they call on the name of Jesus to take care of these evil spirits. There's only one problem. Verse 14. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, Jewish, Jewish chief priests, who did so. Who did so. In other words, they followed suit, trying to do exorcists on the people who were filled with evil spirits. And then all of a sudden, the evil spirit speaks forth. Now, listen to what he says. This is the evil spirit speaking. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? I mean, let that sink in for a minute. I mean, just let that sink in for a minute. I know who Jesus is. I know who Paul is, but who are you? In other words, we could honestly say, though, these were chief priests' seven sons, right? You catch this? You with me? These are the chief priests, and, and just by virtue of the fact of who they were, you kind of assume that there's a certain amount of, lack of a better word, religiousness. They had some form of religion. They were from the chief priests' temples, right? And even still, these evil spirits had no clue who they were. I know Jesus. I know Paul. But who in the world are you? In other words, I think we can safely say, even though they may have been religious, they were lost. Now, put that in the year 2023. How many people do you know that are religious, yet lost? Many. Many. And that's sad. Jesus I know because they know who Jesus is. Jesus was powerful. He is performing miracles. And by the very name of Jesus, these evil spirits were leaving. Paul had authority over them. But they had no clue who these other religious chief priest sons were. So you notice what Scripture says in 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen through 15 For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder. So stop right there just for a moment. They made themselves to look like they were somebody they were not. You know what that's called? Hypocrisy. We, we've talked about this before. You remember the definition of a hypocrite? A hypocrite is an actor. We all know what an actor is. We have TVs. We go to movies. We, we see this. An actor is somebody who is not who they really are. There's somebody who puts on a costume, a persona, a whatever, to make other people believe that they are somebody or something they are not. And here's the problem. When the show is over, when the play is done, when the company is gone, the mask comes off. Think about this. The mask comes off, and you're back to who God already knows you to be. How much, once again... Let's go to the year 2023. 
We have religious people who are lost. We have people who are putting on a mask, trying to be somebody they're not, who are hypocrites. Is that not today? Unfortunately, even in churches, we have people who can come every week. Folks, I'm just telling you, I have known people who have come to church week after week after week after week after week. They blend right in. They look the part. They talk the talk. And then you find out they're in jail for stealing. And they're not just a one-time deal. They're habitual thieves. Or maybe they're you know, this or that. Or you know, wife beaters. Or How many times have someone come in the doors? They look the part. They talk the talk. And yet, who they are before God is something completely different than what we're seeing. And I wonder sometimes if God doesn't say, I, I, I know these people. I, I know my Apostle Paul, but, but who are you? only difference is God is there with love and forgiveness and mercy and grace. The exorcists had no relationship with Jesus. Even though they tried to call out these evil spirits in Jesus' name, they had no power because they didn't know Jesus themselves. They did not know the name of Jesus, the one they named. And here's where we have to be careful, folks. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 22 and 23, says, Many, many, not just a few, not just some, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I think of that sometimes. What is lawlessness? Somebody who acts as though the law does not pertain to them. And then you, know, you can say it was just a little thing. And a lot of times it are little things. Mary said it's the little grapes that spoil the vine. Just a little yeast. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. We forget sometimes how the little things, if not dealt with, turn into big things in our lives. So he says, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. It's like, I want the authority, I want the power, but I don't want to obey. I want all the blessings, but I don't want to be obedient. I want all the good things that God has for me, but I don't want to submit to Him. Is that not our day? Because over and over we forget that along with the freedoms that God has given us comes responsibility. And so he says, many will say to me in that day. And can I say that's the religious without relationship crowd. That's the religious without really knowing Jesus. And it's sad because in the world that we live in, think about this, the world that we live in, 98% of the people, you say, hey, are you a Christian? Do you believe in Jesus? Had answer? Yep. Half the world says yes. But what's different in their life because they made a profession of faith? Am I committed to Jesus Christ? Am I walking in obedience? Is my faith and trust in Him alone? Am I living a sacrificial life saying no to the flesh and yes to the Spirit? Has anything changed because I know Jesus? Not just, yeah, I know Jesus. 
said it a thousand times. I mean, you know Biden. You know President Biden. So here's the deal. I can know all about him. I can go on the internet. I can find out what time he gets up, what time he goes to bed, probably what medications he's on. I mean, I'm just telling you. We can find out everything there is to know about the guy. But it's all about him without knowing him. You see, I can't pick up my cell phone and give him a call. I can't even send him an email. He ain't going to get it. Chances are, if I write a letter, he won't even get snail snail mail. I know all about him, but I don't know him. And I think far too often, that's the way people treat Jesus Christ. You may have been coming to church for years. You may have been putting in an offering plate for years. You may have been doing all kinds of things that are works, but apart from knowing Him and having a relationship with Him, your words will be, depart from me, for I never knew you. But wait a minute, I went to church every week. I, I, I don't know you. But Lord, I put an offering in every week. I, I, I don't know you. But, but God, I even told others about you. I, I, I don't know you. See, what's the difference? People ask, what's the difference? James 2.19 says, You believe that there's one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Well, the devils believe. That, well, what makes them? I mean, they're still devil, right? But they believe. There's a Jesus. What's the difference? I'm coming as the older I get. My view of salvation is not necessarily changing. But what is changing is my perspective concerning it. Hear me out for just a minute. We have had two to three generations of people who said a prayer to get saved. Oh, you want to get saved? Just say this prayer. Repeat after me. And nothing changed. They said a prayer. Where's the walking with Jesus part? Where's the commitment part? Where's the sacrifice part? Where's the saying no to the flesh part? But I said a prayer. I know people in my own family who if you look at their Bible and open up the back page, they have a date in there that they said a prayer. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I don't know. But there's no visible fruit. That's why I come back to the older I get, the perspective of Romans 10 nice is for with a heart one believes. Right? Am I wrong? For with a heart one believes, but with a mouth, confession is made. So, what's the difference between the devil's believing and Joshua believing? Confession. At some point, there has to be a confessing. I am willing to confess Jesus. I'm willing to believe. Not only do I believe He died on the cross, He did that for me, and I'm not ashamed of it. And folks, we forget this. He says, if you're ashamed of me, what did Jesus say? I will be ashamed of you. That's not my words. I don't want to hear those words. Those words are mean, so to speak. But that's what He says. And why is it that we can... You say, well, oh, Pastor, I would die for my Savior. 
right, but we won't live for them. We have neighbors, friends, coworkers we've not opened our mouth to in, in eons because we're afraid they'll hurt their feelings or they might not like us or something. Let's be honest. And I'm, I'm afraid to say it and I'm afraid to believe it, but I think there may be some of us, even in this room, that have religion without a relationship. What's the difference? I'm willing to confess Jesus. For with the one heart one believes, but with the mouth confession is made unto Jesus Christ. At some point, there has to be a point where you say, Lord, I believe and I confess you are exactly who you say you are. You did exactly what you said you did. I believe it. And God, I'm not going to be ashamed of this. I boldly stand up. That's why I appreciate the waters of baptism. Because it says publicly, I am not ashamed. I don't care who sees it. And if you can't do it here amongst believers... What makes you think you can do it somewhere else some other time? You're amongst friends here. People who love you. At some point, we've got to take the leap of faith and say, God, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. But here's the result of this in verse 16. It says, Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them. I mean, three things. He leaped on them, overpowers them, and prevails over them. And what happens? The exorcists run out naked and wounded. That would that be a sight to see? I mean, make that cartoon. You can't make this stuff up. Unusual miracles. I'd say it's unusual. But that's the power of God at work. Right? God is always going to prevail over those who are wannabes, posers, fake people. So what was the result? Verses 17 through 20, he says this. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. Now remember, Ephesus, nice place or bad place? Bad place. Internet or no internet? TV or no TV? Radio or no radio? Everyone heard. The word got out. And this became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus and fear fell on them all. That was the first result. You see, why here, why now? Because the city was wicked. There was pagan, evil, double idolatry there. And they needed to see the hand of a powerful God at work. That's why here, why, why then? And everybody found out what took place. They needed to see the hand of God at work. Fear came upon all that heard. Number two, the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Who's responsible for all this? Jesus. Who caused all this ruckus? Jesus. And then it says, many believed and repented. How do you know that took place? Because of the second phrase. They confessed and shared their deeds. You see, when true repentance happens... People aren't afraid to share and get things right with God. Um, so there were a couple years I traveled as an evangelist. And I got excited in those days. I used to get up and holler and scream. I don't know what went over me. I never get excited anymore. Um, <laughs> I remember, I, I said, uh, in two years of traveling, almost, well, almost three years of traveling, living in a 40-foot trailer 
traveling all across the country. We're doing 50 weeks of meetings a year for three years. I can count on one hand, one hand, the times I felt that the Holy Spirit was at work. It was amazing to me. I'd get to, even though I had correspondence for weeks and even months beforehand, hey, you know, six weeks out, can you do this? Five weeks out, can you do this? Three weeks out, can you do this? The week before we get there, can you do this? Yes, 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 yes. And my wife is a testimony to this. We'd get there, and everyone's looking at me like I got a third eye, which is probably not uncommon. But they look at me like I got a third eye, and all of a sudden, Pastor gets in the pulpit and says, Oh, by the way, today is starting our week of revival meetings. So, all these weeks beforehand, you haven't been praying, you haven't been asking God to prepare our hearts, you haven't done nothing to prepare. And we're supposed to see God at work somehow this week. You can't orchestrate revival. You can't. I can't do it. You can't do it. But if you don't pray, you can certainly believe it's not going to happen. But we went to one place in Texas. And when we got there, um, it was actually in view of a call. And I knew five minutes sitting with 12 people, there was no way in heaven I was going there. But I... In fact, it was so bad, all the deacons were fighting amongst themselves. The public committee was fighting amongst themselves. And I just thought to myself, there is no way in heaven I'm coming here. (laughs) This is a powder keg ready to blow. And it did two weeks after I left. It was explosive. And the funny thing was, is that while I was there, they were so angry, disconjoined, disunified, that the chairman of the pulpit committee came up to me after the meeting and says, Pastor Ken, I'm so sorry how we treated you. Please forgive us. That was not godly. It was not spirit-filled. He says, I I don't know what's going on. He goes, it was just wrong. It was bad. I said, it's fine. It's fine. It's all good. He goes, are you still willing to preach tomorrow? Because we don't have a preacher. I said, I'll be there tomorrow morning. I'll preach. Got there. One of five times in three years every Sunday, where the Holy Spirit was at work. Got done preaching that morning. The entire front of the entire stage was full. There wasn't anybody in the seats. 150 people at the altar, crying, repenting, asking for forgiveness from one another. It was crazy. I never saw anything like it before or since. God showed up that morning. And the amazing thing is that when repentance happens, people get right with God. You see, repentance is not about me. It will never be about you. So you think you're a big man or a big woman because you've been called to forgive somebody? Think of what God has done to forgive you. And you hold grudges. Think of what God has done for you and you want to be selfish. Think of everything God has bestowed upon you and you want to live in the flesh. That morning, at least for that morning, revival started to take place. The name of the Lord was magnified. People believed and repented and they began to confess their sins and tell their stories. Now remember, one thing we said about Ephesus, they had a book. It was not the Bible. 
It was a book of rites and chants and statements that they would chant and, 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 and proclaim selfishly, really, if they wanted better business, a child, more love, whatever the case may be. Let, let's see what happened. Look at, let's, let's look at verse 18. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books. What books are they referring to? The books of Ephesus. Those that were in charge of allowing people to pay their little alms and get their chance given. They brought their books together and did what? Burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them, the, just the cost of those books of Ephesus. And it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. You know what took place when they got right with God? Legitimate sacrifice. I'm willing to give up and get rid of those things that will keep me from Christ. Put that into 2023. Am I willing to give up and sacrifice the things that will keep me from Christ? Because if I truly know Jesus, and Jesus is living in my in my being, He's His Holy, you know, this body is His temple. I should be more than willing to give up and to sacrifice those things that will keep me from drawing close to Jesus. That's what they did. It's a sign of legitimate confession and repentance. And the word of the Lord grew and prevailed. According to verse 20, so the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Think about that. How many would love to honestly, legitimately see a hand of God movement in our day? Folks, I don't want to read about what took place in Asbury. If it was real or not, I'm, I'm not guessing it. I'm not second guessing it. I'm not saying it was. Or I, I, if it was, wonderful. If it's great, Lord help them. But I want to see it here, in our midst. I don't want to read about it. Was something that took place decades ago. I want something that's fresh. I don't want to hear it. Something that's taken place in Africa or not some other continent. I want it to happen here, in our midst. And it won't happen. It cannot happen until what we witnessed here happens in our own hearts. That they get beyond religion to truly having a relationship. Do they get beyond just knowing about God, but truly knowing God? Till it gets beyond living with all these things, but being willing to sacrifice them and anything that will keep me from God so that I can truly know Him. That's when revival will come. I don't know about you, but I need that. I need these reminders for me. I don't want it to be just the words on a page of a paper in some book somewhere. I want it to be real. I want to draw near to Him so that we see His hand at work in our life. Amen? That's what we should all want. Lord, I ask your Father, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. 
Lord, I pray that if there be anyone in this room here this morning that has religion but without a relationship, might today they be a day of salvation for them. God, I pray if there be anyone here who's holding on to things in this life, they're unwilling to sacrifice them to, to really truly have what is best in You, Lord. May today be a, a day that they're willing to sacrifice some things so that they can truly have all of You. I ask Your Father, would You speak to our hearts? May Your Holy Spirit prevail within us, Lord. Just ask for a few moments as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed as we do each and every week. We have an opportunity to respond to what we've heard. And you have the right to do nothing or to respond as God would have you to respond. It's your choice. No one's going to be here beating you over the head to say, I need to get right with this God in this area or this area or that area. It's your choice. But you have an opportunity. You say, Pastor Kenneth, if I'm honest with myself, and God knows my heart. Maybe I'm, I'm that believer, but I have a religion without a relationship. You say, Pastor Ken, if I'm, if I'm honest with myself this morning, I really don't truly know that I know you. Can I simply pray for you and not embarrass you and not call you out? But would you just simply lift your hand or look at me and nod so I know that I'll just simply pray for you? Anyone like that here this morning, you're not sure if you have a relationship with Jesus, but you're concerned. Would you just simply pray? Anyone like that? Say, Pastor Ken, pray for me. Anyone. Then maybe the second thing is this for you. You've been unwilling to give up and sacrifice those things that are keeping you from drawing closer to God. There's some things. You say, Pastor, there's some things I need to get right with God. There's some things I need to sacrifice. I don't know if it's a relationship. I don't know if it's a some wrong thoughts. I don't know if it's some wrong actions. I don't know if it's, you know, whatever it is. Pride, arrogance. I, only you and God know what it is. But it's holding you from having everything that God has for you. you. Say, Pastor, pray for me. There's some things I need to sacrifice. Anyone like that? Pray for me. Yes. Yes. And I'll say, Pastor, pray for me. There's some things I need to get rid of. Some things that need to be laid at the altar so that God can have full control of my life. Yes. Can I challenge those of you who lifted your hand, your heart, to simply take a moment right there where you're at and pray? And say, God, forgive me, because to him that knows to do right and doesn't do it is sin. According to James 1. So maybe this morning you say, Pastor, I'm willing to, or God, I'm willing to sacrifice these things Help me. And my flesh is strong. Fill me with your spirit so I can walk with boldness and courage and obedience. Just take a moment and pray. Ask God to help you. I know it's hard. Things in this life, they captivate us. They control us. And we can justify, rationalize, and excuse why we do what we do. And yet God is saying, are you willing to give up what may be good for what's better and what's better for what may be best? Sacrifice it. Lay it down on the altar. Lord God, I pray that you be with each one who raised their hand their heart towards you this morning.
For each one who lifted their hand, Lord, I pray you give them victory. May they sense your presence at work in their life this week. God, thank you for all that you've done. Lord, thank you for your long-suffering. You are so patient with us. We're going to be so sin-filled, and Lord, you are so patient. And Lord, every time we come before you and repent, you are there faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all our sins. Thank you, Father. So be with each one that's here today. Lord, may we sense your hand working in our lives. May we walk in victory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.